0: Welcome to week six of the Kauai and Friends fantasy podcast as part of the Omnisports Network. This week's sponsor is fantasy football. Fantasy football, you may be wondering, why would that be the sponsor for a fantasy basketball podcast? And the answer is simple, because I am so, so much better at fantasy football than fantasy basketball. It honestly just makes me sad. STAD? STAD. It makes me so STAD that I can't speak correctly. Speaking of STAD, here's our new segment for the podcast. Bobby is a dum-dum. Bobby is a dum-dum. Bobby is dum-dum. That's right. Our newest segment of the podcast is called Bobby is a Dum-Dum. In this section, I will bring up any mistakes I've made in previous episodes or dumb hot takes or just dumb things I say. And in this week's installment of Bobby is a dum dumb. Last week, I said that Chris Paul's record in the playoffs against Chris. His <laughs> name's thought Chris and Scott, Scott Foster. His name is fucking Scott Foster. Anyway, Scott Foster, I said he went was six for 40 which was wholly inaccurate because he's actually three for 17. The percentages were not too off, and the spirit behind my argument was also not wrong. However, I basically doubled it. Also, I called Scott Foster Forster. I mispronounced a bunch of people's names last week. And all of that is to say, Bobby is a dum-dum.
1: Bobby
0: is a dum-dum. It's okay to be a dum-dum sometimes. If I wasn't a dum-dum, would I be doing a sports podcast? And the answer is, I don't know. because I don't know what it would like be like to not be a dum-dum. That is knowledge that is beyond my brain. But you know what? Is it knowledge beyond my brain? My storylines of the week. First storyline is, I'm just going to call this LeBron. There's a, two LeBron stories that I thought were interesting. First is him and a Adoka. Adoka? I'm just—I swear I'm not purposely mispronouncing these names. We'll just call it a bit and say that I am. It's Adoka out. LeBron's not out. Le- LeBron is not out. I was gonna say they just tossed LeBron out yeah. too. Yeah. LeBron <laughs> got a T, and then the motion was made that he was gone, but that was Adoka. Well, Adoka had a tech earlier. Yeah. So, so that's this what, is his second tech. Right. He got so the second tech. Out. Right. That's what, what it was. Anyway, the. Houston Rockets coach who formerly the coach of the Celtics who left last year because he was having an affair with a staffer and apparently he was harassing her you know all sorts of good stuff anyway LeBron and Odoka were talking to each other uh, they were having some mouths off and actually led to the Houston Rockets coach being ejected which is not something you see too much a, a coach and a player going at it um, and this is supposedly what they said to each other this is some of the leaked audio this is according to a reddit thread uh uh, that i found apparently udoka said to him stop crying like bitches man to lebron and lebron said we're all grown men that bitch word ain't cool which also if he did say that lebron i stand i stand so hard and udoka said back soft ass boys stop bitching acting like you're gonna do something Anyways, they both got technicals, but it was Ume Adoka's second second technical, and so he was kicked out of the game. On top of that, LeBron has said that when his son Bronny plays in his first USC basketball game, that LeBron would be willing to miss a Lakers game. If you didn't know, Bronny earlier this year suffered some heart problems, a cardiac arrest on while playing basketball. He's been cleared to return. LeBron just wants to be a good dad. Um, he has said on the record he wanted to play basketball till his sons were in the league, and uh, he seems to be on track to do that. Even though he's, you know, turning seventy five tomorrow morning. God, it feels like it. Our second story of the week is less basketball related and more ownership related. Mark Cuban, owner of the Dallas Mavericks, is leaving Shark Tank and basically sold a lot of his shares of the Mavericks. He's still the shareholder majority holder but he really reduced his uh ownership over the mavericks some people theorize that maybe there's some health issues and so he's trying to reduce it maybe he's trying to step back Uh, the reason this matters and why i'm bringing this up is that mark cuban is a pretty active owner probably most Basketball franchises, you don't know who their owner is. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. Um, but the Mavericks, Mark Cuban has been very present and prominent. One of my favorite clips of all time is Mark Cuban just absolutely roasting Skip Bayless in an episode of First Take. You know, it's just all generalities. There's never been a star under more pressure going into a finals, a championship series or game than LeBron James was under after nine years and three league MVPs. Well, first of all, you have the presumption that people care what you say. They don't. You ever bored and want to hate on Skip Bayless? Premium, premium viewing. But the reason this matters is I think there's so few owners in basketball, there's only 30 franchises, that it's really important when these changes happen because it could affect the team. It could affect how the team's going forward. Basically, it's all speculation, but I'm just bringing it up to let you know that there could be changes in the Mavericks on the way. And our second story of the week is kind of a feel-good story, sort of. You have Mitch Robinson, who, if you didn't know, plays for the New York Knicks. Apparently, his high school coach has been living with him since his high school's coach wife passed away. And so Mitch is offering him a place to stay um, while he's going through this tragic time. And uh, as a high school teacher, uh, not looking to be on the bed or the (laughs) spare bedroom of a future star athlete, I think this is really cool and really sweet. And uh, it makes my heart a little less dead today and holy streaks Batman that's right the Mavericks went 30-0 against the pause for dramatic effect Oklahoma City Thunder in a game this week unfortunately for the Mavs even though they went on a 30-0 run which is the longest run in NBA history they still lost the game uh, which. I honestly think that's more impressive than the 30 point run itself this week. I'm going to mix it up and actually talk about players before I start talking about teams. So the last couple of weeks, I've talked about the best person in each of the nine categories that many, many ESPN leagues and most fantasy basketball leagues are doing. But I kind of wanted, you know, we're in week six. Uh, Many of you are probably a third or maybe more than a third away in your basketball season. I want to talk about players overall this so far this year. So I'm going to talk about uh, some of the different categories and I'm going to talk about per game stats. Per game stats are probably better at this point because you actually have teams that have played sometimes pretty drastically different amounts of games as many as four or five at this point of the season, which schedulers, we got to figure this out. Why? I don't think it should be. That difficult to have it somewhat equal, um, but all things being equal, let's look at some of the stats. So we're going to start with points per game. I'm going to do the top five in each of these. So in points per game, we have in fifth we have Giannis with 29.9 per game, De'Aaron Fox with 30.3 per game. Kevin Durant with 31 points per game. Luca with 31.4. And in first, we have Embiid, your MVP from last year, with 32 points per game. I don't think this list is too shocking. I think some people might be surprised about De'Aaron Fox. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, aka the Clutch Player of the Year last year. uh, Like I said before, I think he is a sleeper pick for potentially being the MVP, just because I think the Kings can go really far. And I think that they're a really fun team. Next, we're going to look at rebounds per game. So in fifth, we have Joel Embiid with 11.3, Rudy Gobert with 11.6. You have Sabonis with 11.8. You have Anthony Davis with 12.5 in second. But in first, you have, no surprises here, Jokic with 12.8 rebounds per game. All of those are great. All of those are big men. You kind of expect to be here, but it's good that they're here. And also credit to Joel for being uh, first and uh, fifth in two different categories. But he won't be the only person I repeat today. Next, looking at assists per game. In fifth, we have Luka Doncic with 8.4. In fourth, you have Fred Van Fleet with 9.1. And third, you have Jokic with 9.8 in second you have your last year assist leader trey young with 10.7 and in first by over a point per uh, 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 by over an assist per game you have tyrese Halliburton 11.8 one thing i just want to note if you listen to some of the other like categories i've said so far they're all pretty close in per game from first to fifth is almost a difference of like a full quarter or a third full third. That's pretty significant. So um these guys are definitely people you want on your team. Next, looking at blocks per game, you have in fifth, you have Chet home grid with 2.2. In fourth, you have Rudy Gobert with 2.4. In third, you have Wemby, Victor Wembiano with 2.7. And in technically first and second, because it's a tie, you have Anthony Davis and Brook Lo- Brooke Lopez at 2.8. Um I think these five will probably be near the top at the end of the year. I wouldn't be surprised. Next up, you have steals per game. In fifth, you have Scotty Barnes uh, with 1.8 in tied for third. And these next two may not be people high on your fantasy list mentally, but you should be looking at them. You have Herb Jones with 1.9 and Jalen Suggs with 1.9. And second, you got Donovan Mitchell with 2.1 and you're clear. Clear steals leader with 2.4. You have shy um, Gilgius Gil- 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 Alexander of the Thunder. And field goal percentage this is where you might get some people who are not as high usage, but they uh, are consistent, and that's really valuable. In fifth, with 63.3%, you have Moritz Mo Wagner. In fourth, you have Mark Williams with 653 then in third with 69.2, nice, you have Jared Allen. In second, you have 70.3 with Daniel Gafford. And your field goal percentage leader, uh, according to NDA.com, is Jacob Pudel. In three-pointers made, you have in fifth, you have Desmond Bain. In third, you have a tie with 62, sorry. And in third, you have a tie with... Halliburton and Brunson at 63, only one more than Desmond Bain, and then six more than Brunson and Halliburton. You have Luka Doncic and then over 20 more. You have Steph Curry at 91. Listen, Steph, he likes breaking three point made records all the time and he's going to keep doing it. I just encourage you to watch and enjoy the greatness, Um, though this is not a category that matters. It does play a part in your field goal percentage, best three point percentage players. So these are players who've taken enough. Some may not have taken many. So some of these names you may not have heard. Uh, In fifth, you have Doug McDermott for the Spurs and fourth uh, with 47.7%. You have Alex Caruso with the Bulls. In third, which is mind boggling because he's sh- shooting at such a high volume, you have Kevin Durant at 49.4%. Uh, percent. He was hurt a couple of uh, games, which is why I don't think he's on the three points maids list, but he might get up there if he keeps shooting like that. And second, at 51.3, the Clippers are missing him. You have Batum, who's on the Sixers. And in first you have 50.5 you 52.5 you have Carson Wallace of the Thunder again some of these people are not getting a lot of use but it's good to know all right so just in fantasy points per game now of course we're doing categories but if you want to see overall impact of a player I think this is not a bad way to look and fifth at 54 points per game you have shy and fourth you have 54.4 with Giannis in third you have 55.8 and then there's a pretty clear jump to first and second and second you have Embiid with 60.4 and in first you have Jokic at 62.1 so these are the players who are leading overall throughout the beginning of the year again this can go up or down but I don't think too many of these are too surprising but it's good just good to kind of know who are the baddies in these different categories. The New Orleans Pelicans are headed to Las Vegas, into the semifinals they go. They'll match up against either Los Angeles, the Lakers, or the Suns, and that game will be tomorrow night. In a breakthrough moment for this upstart Indiana Pacers team, they knock off Boston in the first ever knockout game of the in-season tournament. And their quest for the inaugural NBA Cup. The sounds you just heard that were shamelessly stolen through a YouTube MP3 converter are from the NC's internet semifinals, which happened last night, the first night, as I record this on December 5th. You had the Pacers versus the Celtics in what was such an exciting game, and the uh, Pacers pulled it out, beating the Celtics. And the Pacers will be facing the winner of the Bucks or Knicks from today. And then on the other side in the West, you had the Pelicans taking on the Kings. The Kings started red hot, but the Pelicans, which are a mature team that seems to be well coached, were able to win pretty handily towards the end. And like you heard before, the winner of the Lakers Suns game, will be playing the Pelicans. So I think from the semifinals, we're again seeing that this in season tournament is a success because there was meaningful basketball being played at the beginning of December. Players were playing hard yesterday and a lot of star players have said that, you know, they're they care somewhat about the tournament, but the winner of the tournament, that all the players get an extra five hundred thousand dollars. Which you know, if you're making thirty million dollars a year, is nice. But most people in the NBA are minimum players, and what I mean by that is, you know, they're making you know a million dollars a year, which is still awesome. But if you're making a million and then you get a $500,000 bonus that is significant compared to you know someone who's making all these you know tens of millions of dollars so people are playing hard because they know it matters to people on their team my only complaint i would have so far about the in season tournament semifinals is i think you should have one conference be one day and the other conference be the other day i think you should have like, for example, both games yesterday should have been the East or both games should have been the West. The only reason I think that is that the Lakers and Bucks, who are both the one seed, in theory, in scheduling should have an advantage, but they're going to actually have one day less of rest than the Pelicans or the Pacers. And I think that is not fair to uh, any of the teams, even if the Knicks or Suns pull up the upset, which both teams are totally capable of doing. Uh, it's still that you would presume that the one seed would also have the uh, scheduling advantage on top of the material advantage of playing at home, especially in the semifinals and the finals are in Vegas. So there is no home field advantage. And um. As a person who runs lots of competitions, I think you want to have those advantages for those seeds. But enough of me and my complaints. Overall, this looks like it's going to be successful. However, the way this applies to fantasy basketball, if you're paying attention, is that the schedule is weird this week. We only have four kind of days of actual basketball action, and a lot of it is the the first two days this week with the play in tournament. Uh, And there's multiple days this week where there are no games. Some of those days will end up having scheduled games because of the uh, in season tournament, but it is unclear whether how those stats will apply for fantasy. It seems like they won't. And the reason I bring this up is this week is going to be wonky for fantasy basketball. And this is the very first year we have an in season tournament. So those two things together are not surprising. I'm sure Next year, fantasy basketball will find a way to deal with this weird week. You know, the way we deal with the All-Star break in fantasy basketball, at least last year, was that we made it a, two weeks, right? Because it was basically um, you lose about six days from the All-Star break. Uh, here you're losing about three or four, which is pretty significant for a single week of fantasy. Uh, but sometimes things will happen that are unprecedented welcome to the unprecedented times now that you have PTSD from 2020 is that sometimes things will happen that you don't expect for example in fantasy football our sponsor of today's podcast last year in the fantasy championship week you had the final game of the week on a Monday night between the Bills and the Bengals and Damar Hamlin of the Bills was uh injured in a way it seemed like he might actually die um and so they canceled the game which i still stand by was the right decision but the problem was all of a sudden for fantasy football you had thousands and thousands of dollars being determined by this one game and so they every fantasy league had to do something different some just chalked it up to who would likely win with the projections some made it that both owners who made finals split uh But it led to a lot of contention in the fantasy world. And the fact of the matter is fantasy sports in general are probably not always going to be great when it comes to uh, unique situations like this. But I know we will adjust and we will figure it out now from the in-season tournament to the in-season tournament season, uh, let's look at how the playoff standings are shaking out. So the last couple of weeks, I'll tell you the top three teams and so on and so forth. But today I'm actually going to do sort of, again, a wider view, uh, which I think is good to look at. We've teams have played about 20 games so far, which is about a quarter of their schedule. JJ Redick, who is a former basketball player and also has his own NBA podcast. uh, Check it out. Uh, He kind of says, which I agree with and some other former players agree with, that you should look at the season in sort of 20 game segments. And because we've hit that sort of 20 game threshold, I think this is a good time to zoom out. Um, This sort of idea is that like when there's a trade, give it 20 games or so to see what's going on or, um, you know, things take time to gel. I think we're very quick and reactionary in the sports world. I mean. Let's be real, the whole world is quick and reactionary at this point. Uh, But yeah, let's look at the east. So I'm going to start in with the teams that are on the bubble. So seeds ten through seven. As a reminder, teams ten through seven seeds will have a chance to play for the play in tournament at the end of the season. We have lots of tournaments that are going on. So in season tournament or play in tournament are different things, which I've learned this week through all of my incorrect Google searches. In the 10th seed, you have Atlanta with a nine and 10 record. In the ninth seed, you have Brooklyn with a 10 and nine record. And tied for the seventh seed, you have Miami and Cleveland. There are tiebreakers, so technically Miami's ahead. I'm not going to worry about tiebreakers in December. Call me in eight March. Don't call me at all, though. Uh, in the sixth seed, you have the Indiana Pacers. In the tied for fifth, you have... Are for fourth, you have New York Knicks and Philadelphia 76ers, both at 12 and seven. Then you have a tie for second and third, with Milwaukee and Orlando at 14 and six. And your best team in the East is the Boston Celtics, who are 15 and five with a 75% win percentage, which is ridiculous. In the West, You have in the bubble, you have the 10th seed, the Houston Rockets, who are eight and nine. Surprisingly, the Golden State Warriors are the 11th seed. They're not even in the playoff conversation. In the ninth seed, you have the Clippers, who, again, when you think of the Clippers, think back to JJ Redick's comment about the 20 game segment. I think the Clippers will gel a little more as time progresses. Then you have a step up and winning percentage with the 12 and 10 Pelicans. And then you have the 12 and nine Lakers. Uh, that's your bubble in your fifth and sixth seeds. You have Dallas and Sacramento in your fourth seed. You have the Suns who have been hot as of late uh, eight and two their last ten. And third, you have Denver, which they're 14 and seven in Second, you have Oklahoma City, that's 13 and six. And in first, with the best record in all of the NBA, you have the Timberwolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, that are 15 and four with 78, 79 percent winning percentage, which again is ridiculous in terms of teams and how they're doing in terms of trends. The best team in the last ten games, you have the Orlando Magic at nine and one. You also have a couple teams in the West, the Wolves, the Thunder and the Suns, who are eight and two in their last ten. For uh, teams that are not doing so hot, you have the Pistons, who I think are on a 17, 18 game winning streak. You have the Spurs that are also on a very long losing streak did I just say the pistons had a winning streak I'm sorry <laughs> they have a very terrible losing streak um things to pay attention to and this is why i bring up basketball standings and a podcast that's somewhat related at times to fantasy basketball is that the bottom teams and I'm talking specifically right now the Spurs um and Detroit and the wizards uh that are clearly like the worst tier like if they were a tier list they would be in their own tier at the bottom uh they're tanking uh and at the end of the season they may make interesting roster decisions that could affect your fantasy players they may not play optimally or pick optimal people to put in their lineup um also bottom like bad records you have like the grizzlies but i think they're gonna try when Ja comes back you also have uh portland um That's not doing so good. And Chicago, Uh, the reason I bring up Chicago is Chicago. There's a potential that they may blow up the team. Not literally. That is uh, a war crime. But what I mean by that is they may uh, disband the team. They may trade for a lot of future assets. Um, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, both amazing players in their own right, don't always gel perfectly together on the court. Um, So I would not be surprised if one or both are traded and there's also rumors that caruso could be traded basically chicago bulls may look very different after the trade deadline uh, which could affect your fantasy teams kawaiian friends fantasy rankings power rankings for you and me this week in the kawaiian friends power rankings we have the winners from last week. So in third, the third ranked team from last week, we have Geraldine In second, we have Rashi. And in first, we have the love of my life, Jesse Fant. Now, if you noticed, we have Rashi, Geraldine and Jesse, all to my knowledge, who identify as women. In the top three on our podium, Kawhi friends, we have solved the patriarchy, y'all. I'm just saying we fixed it. We beat that motherfucker up. The patriarchy is dead. Go us. But it, <laughs> but in terms of top um, teams overall for the season, we have... In fourth place, we have Rashi in third place. Proving the patriarchy is still real. We have Kenny Kunanin. And in second place, we have Geraldine Mina. And in first, we have once again, Jesse Fant. Thank you all for turning, tuning into another week of the Kauai and Friends fantasy podcast and NBA podcast and and my 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 place to trauma dump um speaking of trauma dumping when i was a seven-year-old boy there was this time outro music outro music outro music if there's something you want me to talk about this podcast please email omnisports423 at gmail.com and if a once a week podcast is not enough for you please check us out on instagram and x formerly known as twitter thank you and have a great week